uh, I will say, if you're joining us online, again, uh, this we're going to do this a little differently. Uh, as we are in our family value series, I figured I'd have at least half of you're my immediate chair. family. Do I need to turn my chair? Yeah, I want to look at you. Oh, look at me. <laughs> what he doesn't want you to know is that he's got a kink neck, so he can I only do. look one way yeah, today. Yeah, apparently getting out <laughs> so of bed is So you guys, sorry, you don't see him today. Yeah, so, so everybody <laughs> on this side, I, I'm not grimacing when I look at you. It's just I can't. This is about as far as I could turn today. So, so, But it's okay. It's okay. We're, we're going to power through. But uh, I will say, if you're joining us online, uh, we will be receiving communion in a little bit. So make sure if you're at home, you have the opportunity to get some things together to join us online. That would be awesome. Uh, but uh, we wanted to take uh, a few seconds here uh, and do something that I particularly love doing. I love anytime I get to uh, share the stage with Amy and we kind of get to do something together. Uh, we, we wanted to take a time out of this family value series. So we've been talking about how your family values, how what you, like, we all have values, don't we? Everybody has values. And sometimes the problem that we have with the values that we have is we, we don't really know what they are. We have them, we live by them, but we don't really understand who and what they are. And, and you are raising, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, you're raising them based off your values. So if you don't define what they are, then it's going to be really tough for you to, to do anything on purpose because you're just kind of like randomly going to like what feels good to you at the moment, right? What feels okay or, or like certain things that you think are okay or not okay to do. But today, um, you know, we wanted to share a little bit around one concept. And uh, one of the things that I, I see is the biggest obstacle that most people deal with uh, when it comes to walking with Christ, especially when it comes to leading their families, right, and dealing with relationships of other people, because ultimately that's what it is. We have to deal with other people, right? And, you know, uh, it is is how how do we how do we have that peace that to, to carry on? How do we literally be able to? How are we able to walk this thing out and have the peace that's described in Scripture that Jesus promised us? And I would say that ninety. 9.99999% of the time, somewhere in there, what we see or what I see is that people are carrying things and worried about things and stressed and, and dealing with stuff that they were never meant to deal with. And uh, we carry hurts and offenses and we carry all these things and, and none of this stuff is how we were designed to live, right? Right. It's not stuff we're supposed to hold on to. And I want to I want to take a poll. So there's two types of people, and we are those two types of people. You're either a beach person or you're not. Who's the beach people with me today? Raise your hand online if you're that beach person. So I'm a beach person. You can have it. He is not. I'm sure you've heard. He's told you I get two beach, two beach visits a year, that he will go with me, and then that's it. He won't go anymore. There's two days. That's it. I draw the line after two. But – if you're my beach, if you're my beach people, and you're at the beach, especially if you have kids and you have older kids, and you let them go in the ocean, what do we do, parents? I know I did the same thing growing up when I when I was a kid and I was at the beach. What did you give, or what do you give your kid when they go out into the water? You give them something. Well, you give them a lecture, but you give them something to look for, right? If it's a crowded beach, you give them. We've got the pink umbrella. We've got the red cooler. You know, I'm the one in the big hat. Like, you give them that, that focus so they can see you. Because what happens when you start swimming? We've all been there. You start to drift, right? So you go out, you go swimming, and then all of a sudden, you're way down the beach. And you're like, I don't see the pink umbrella. You know, we start to drift. 
We lose focus. And that's exactly how most of our lives go. We yes. go out and we have purpose, and the next thing we, we know, we we're, think we have something. we're somewhere down the beach. Like, you're like, where were we at again? Somewhere. What was that goal, what we were trying to do? So open up to Jeremiah. Open up your Bible. Open up your U app. U version app. U app. I don't know. U-app. Maybe it's a new one. U version app. Take some notes. But Jeremiah 6.16 says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. What's it say? Ask where the good way is. The second part, you have to walk in it. You know, sometimes we feel like when we start to drift, what do we do? When you're in those situations, you start to get a little panicky, a little anxiety because you can't, you can't find what you're supposed to focus on. So we fill it. We fill it with other things, right? We fill it with relationships, with addictions, with friends, with family. And here's the thing. When we say the word addiction, our mind always goes to these big type addictions. You know, we think alcohol. We think pornography. We think drugs. Social media is an addiction. Your friends, some your of y'all, family. Y'all, you're, I know some of you are nudging your spouse right now because I know in our household, that's be like, y'all put your phones down yeah. before I throw it in the front yard. Like, Yeah, social media. But your friends, your family can be an addiction because if you want to spend more time with your family than you do with Christ, that's not right. There's an issue there. You're filling a gap. She just stepped on some toes. I did, but it's okay. We're gonna step on some toes. That's why I'm me. I can. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) She's because she's like I'm not gonna be here on the stage next week, so it's gonna be okay. No, but really, I I think and what I think is interesting out of that scripture in Jeremiah, it says, uh, "Look for where the good way is. Walk in it." Because when you walk in it, what's it say at the end? It says, "You're actually when you walk in it, you're gonna find rest for your souls." Like that's the whole thing. Is like when we actually do what we're supposed to do. That's what happens. So here, when it comes to the values of your life, I think we have to ask ourselves this question. The question is, is, am I going to base my life on what I think or what God thinks? Now, the church answer is like, well, Pastor Curtis, the Lord says, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, we all know that, well, the Lord says I should do this, this, and this. And then tomorrow morning, you go to work and you find that really hard to live out. But here's the thing I have. Let's all be honest. Who has ever made a stupid decision? Anybody ever made a stupid decision? Of course we have. We're naturally naturally kind of stupid, aren't we? Who made one this morning? Yeah. (laughs) Who made one this morning or last night or yesterday morning? I mean, every day. day, You know what I mean? Every single day. Never make any day. Uh, Never. Never. So, but listen, in, in, in order for relationships to work, in order for the values that we have to not go out swimming at the beach and end up somewhere we didn't plan to be, what we have to do is we have to let the one who designed the relationships, like the whole structure of relationships, be the one to define them and not us just try to write our own definitions and kind of make it up on our own as we go. And, and here's what we have to understand is Jesus actually – tries to give us a hint about this because Jesus said in John 10 10 the scripture we all know if you've been around for a little bit but it says this that the thief actually what do you want to do he wants to come to steal kill and destroy and of course we're all like oh that devil I'm going to get him you know what I mean like like so we think that but but we lose the second part Jesus says that I actually have come that you may have life and that you may have it 
to the fullest, not the little bitest, not the somewhat the middlest, but the fullest, the fullest. That, and, and so really uh, what we have to realize is what, what we see in the scripture here, which is not the easiest. OK, it's not the most convenient. In fact, it's it's the opposite of convenient living. Okay? If it was easy, everybody would do if it. If it was easy, it would be so e- like I would well, I would be able to admit that I don't make stupid decisions up here. OK, but I, I do. So it's, it's not easy. But what we realize is that this is not meant to restrict us. But what it is, is it's designed to help live the fullest, bestest life, the bestest, the, bestest the bestest. funnest, fullest, bestest life, right? And, and so the bestest is this, lots of sis, 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 sis. By the way, if you, you, you got to go back and listen to this one on podcast because I'm telling you, it's full of all sorts of, uh, of gold here. I can tell it just as we start here. But listen, uh, the past few years, we all know that everybody's picked sides on everything, haven't they? Like, everybody's picked a side on every issue that we share, post, preach, that we have no problem, uh, and, and, and that we have no problem, like, letting anybody know what our thoughts is. Well, let me tell you about Ukraine, right? Everybody's got, none of you could point Ukraine out on a map, but because everybody else has talked about it, well, well let me tell you what I think about, about Ukraine, you know what I mean? We all think, we have uh, opinions that we form over everything, but the fact of the matter is, is, is we have to be very careful if we're going to call ourselves sons and daughters of God, if we're going to follow after Jesus, if we're going to try to live this life that is Christianity, right, a Jesus follower, we have to be very careful because one of the number one things that is happening, and we're going to be talking a little bit about this in different terms over the next couple weeks, but is disunity. Disunity is huge. Disunity in your house, disunity in your larger family, disunity uh, in the church, the little C church, local church, big C churches, it, it, it's, it's everywhere. And we have to be, be very careful because in culture, marriages, it, it, families, everything that we see, because here's what, and, and again, she stepped on your toe. I, I might do it here just a second, okay? Here's what we have to understand. If you follow Jesus, okay, y'all hanging with me so far? If you follow Christ, I don't think that you actually get the right to have all these divisive opinions that we carry. And, and I, I, Some I, still like you. A few people are hanging <laughs> with me. Some people are like, Pastor Chris, I don't know where you're going to go with this. And, and here's the reason why. Do you think that God doesn't like some of the stuff we do? He does, doesn't he? Like, there's stuff we do every single day that God is just sitting, like, he's just like, why, why do you guys do that? But here's what we also know. We also know that God so loved the what? That what did he do? He gave. And so somehow we think that because we have a particular opinion about fill in the blank, that we're going to go preach that and not Jesus Christ. And I'm going to go into off script if I'm not careful, okay? But, but here's what we realize, is we have to realize that God has called us to value everyone. And if you are going to be a follower of Christ, you don't have the luxury of having something in your heart against another person, political party, uh, your mother, your father, your neighbor, your wife, or your wife. You're like, right, you can't. Like you can't, you can't carry stuff inside you against that because guess what? You don't get that right. 
you've surrendered that right when you said that you were going to follow Christ. Yeah, and and you're preaching, by the way, so you keep on. I can just sit back and listen. But here's the key that I think as Christians, and and I'm just as guilty of, um, on a daily basis, I pray and say, I need a little bit more Jesus today. Like, that is truly my life right now. I need Jesus on a daily basis. I always want him, but, like, I really need him. But here's the thing. My relationship with God is absolutely 100% inseparable to my relationship with people. So we got two things. I've got my relationship with God, and I have my relationship with people. They can't be different. They are one. Because here's the thing. If you have a relationship with God and you're having issues with people, then your relationship with God is not right. Maybe you need to hear it again. If you have a relationship with on. God come on, she, and you're having an issue with a person, you to write this down because your relationship with God is not as good as you need it. Yeah. And listen, if you're having an issue with God, your relationship with people is not where it needs to be. Mm. Because when you're stepping on someone's toes, guess what? That's God's toes you're stepping on. You are not just hurting them, but you are hurting God. Yeah. And you need to understand that. I need to understand that. And someone needs to take that home today, and you need to go apologize to your spouse. You know who you are. She's going to stop. Because, listen, and, you, and, and of course, some of you are sitting here going, wait a second. Wh where are you coming up with this whole concept of my relationship with God and my relationship with people? It's inseparable, right? John 13, 34, and 35 yeah. says this. Jesus says, a new command I give to you that you've got to love one another, not love yourself and not just love me, but you got to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this man. And by the way, this is one of my all time favorite verses. John uh, 13, 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Oh, because I wore my Christian T-shirt or because I got the D.C. sticker on the back of my car. No, 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 no. It says that you're going to know that all men are going to know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. And it's just not any love. In that scripture, if you, if you break it down and you study, the love that they're talking about in that scripture is agape love. That is unconditional love. Do you love your brother unconditionally? I know I don't always. Do you love your spouse unconditionally? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not answer that this morning, okay? <laughs> Let's not answer there that. There are days I do not yeah. that he gets on my nerves, and I'm like, dear Jesus. But we don't, but we have to unconditionally. It's a process that we are imperfect at, but we can work together. And here's the thing. You changed your papers on me. Okay, here we go. Got a question. If, you're, if you like New Testament, there are 242 laws, all right? 242 laws. And... The religious leaders asked Jesus in the New Testament, well, which one's the greatest? If you guys remember that story, maybe you don't. Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus replies. I love this because Jesus doesn't just reply with the greatest. He gives them two. He says, out of 242, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is your first and greatest. And the second, he didn't stop there. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love that. Because I love that everybody like around Jesus be like, Jesus, we didn't ask for two. <laughs> we just wanted one. Like, where are you coming up throwing two at us? Like, you know what I mean? Like, wh what's going on with that? But we see the question really that we have to ask ourselves is, is how am I doing with the people that God has put in my life? 
how am I doing with that? Now, again, today, you might be like, Pastor Curtis, I'm doing okay with this people. Like, me and those Wait people. Wait till Monday. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all right. You know what I mean? But then the, the moment and the time comes when, when it blows up, and then y- you're sitting here going, wait a second, why is this happening? God, you put these people in my life for a reason, right? Jesus says, absolutely, he did. And he also says this in Luke 17, 1. He says, guess what? Uh, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Thank you very much, Jesus. Okay, we can go home today for church uh, because you guys have gotten the encouraging word that offenses are going to come no matter what you do. So let's go home and, and have, have. I think there's more to it. There is more to there's it. There's a little that, more to it. Right? But, but y- you know, isn't it amazing to think that Jesus was so gracious enough to tell everybody, oh, you know, hard times, yeah, they're still going to happen. Bye, guys. Have fun. Everybody follow me. It's going to be good, right? We, we know that we have hard times. And so forgiveness, right, is this concept that is throughout this entire book just, just bred into it. I mean, everything about this is forgiveness. It's about the ultimate reconciliation for us to become sons and daughters of God, right? But why, why do we have such hard times with this? Why do we have such hard times with forgiveness? In fact, uh, one of the things I love is uh, we offer Freedom Group as one of the small groups here. If you haven't gone through Freedom Group, you need to go through Freedom Group. Some Everyone of you needs to go through Freedom some Group. Some of you have been through Freedom Group, and you need to go through Freedom Group again uh, because it, it's, it, it's, it is basically us trying to understand this question. Why is it so hard for us to forgive and to let things go? And I think the first thing is we, we had a couple ideas that we wrote around about this, and the first thing is this, is Sometimes, you know, we just have the wrong understanding of what forgiveness is. We think forgiveness, like we're putting forgiveness as this thing, but it's it's not. Because we think forgiveness is like, I have to agree with everything you say, and like we have to become BFFs, and like we just have to like have this blessed habitation where we all go out and pick flowers every other weekend. Right. We, we sometimes we, we think that, but but it's not because here's what we also know that that forgiveness is not minimalizing the seriousness of the offense. Like there are some serious you know, like there's some serious hurts that people have. Like some of you are here today and you've been in churches in the past and you are like for real have been seriously hurt and wounded. And I'm sorry, I, I, I don't want to minimize that because it's real. And, and the, the, the mistrust and the distrust that you have with other people, it's a real thing. And so we want to work in our, the GO team and leadership team here at Discovery Church, we want to work so hard to make you understand that, yes, are we going to let you down 100%? We are. But at the same time, our heart I- is in this place where we are all trying to serve and follow and seek after Jesus and go in the right direction. Right, and it's also when we when we have the wrong understanding of forgiveness is it's also not always reconciliation, because here's the thing: forgiveness forgiveness is this way, and it's this way, right? Because first we have to ask God to forgive us, and then we have to go through the process and forgive the person that hurt us. But it doesn't mean we we reconcile with them, because reconciliation takes the other person. As well, and sometimes that just doesn't happen. Yeah. And there's, the a, there's a song about that. It takes two. It takes it two. Takes I'm not singing two, that either. Baby, <laughs> it's also, and, and here's the other part I think people struggle when we talk about forgiveness when there's a hurt or an offense, 
is it's also not forgetting. Just because you forgive someone doesn't always mean you forget. When we ask you and we work through you and we want to see that freedom from that, that hurt and that trauma and that pain, I'm not telling you to forget life. Because what happened is, is what's going to make you you and what's going to allow God to use you. But you don't have to forget. You know, we'll never be able to make a true difference in our lives and the lives of others if we can't understand those concepts about forgiveness. And the second thing that we think, you know, why we have such a hard time is we don't think it's fair. I heard a really long time ago from one of our pastors that he was he was preaching and it, I loved it, and it, I was flabbergasted. That's my big word of the day. That's a great word. You've, your homework assignment for today is use flabbergasted <laughs> to speak in a sermon. But he preached a whole sermon on life isn't fair. And I was like, you're a preacher. You're not supposed to tell me life isn't fair. You're supposed to tell me that if I have a relationship with God, there's going to be butterflies and flowers all my life. And he stood up, and he was like, life's not fair, guys. It sucks. And I was like, well, dang. That has messed up my whole life, but it's not. Listen, life's not fair. Forgiveness is hard. And it doesn't want to be fair, though. We, though, found some scriptures. There's some reasons why we don't want life fair. We don't want things fair. You know, Peter asked Jesus. What did he ask Jesus? He said, how often should we forgive? 70 times 7? 77? Well, here's the thing. My husband, he actually did some math. Y'all should be proud. If we follow that answer that Jesus gave Peter, just while you're awake, every three minutes you need to forgive someone. Every three minutes, the word, I'm sorry, I forgive you, should come out of your mouth. That's a lot. And right after this exchange, I love because to try to, like, paint a picture, Jesus tells uh, a, um, uh, a little bit of a story here in Matthew 18, and it says in verse uh, 23, this is what he said. He says, uh, Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle some account uh, with his servants. He began the settlement with a man who owed him 10,000 talents. Make sure you stay with it. He said 10,000. Say 10,000. 10, All right. So 10,000 talents. If you do a little bit of calculations on this and we put this into real life 2022 like perspective here. 10,000 talents, okay, is going to be somewhere in the realm of $5 billion, right? Like, can you imagine, could you imagine, like, owing somebody $5 billion? Like, could you, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to sleep forever, like, right? It would be horrible. So he, he, owed, he owed $5 billion, all right, this, this guy did. And so he brought him, and when he wasn't able to pay, uh, the master says, that, guess what? I'm going to sell you and your wife and everything you own, and uh, everything's going to get sold to help pay off the debt to pay it back. And obviously, there's no way with whatever we're going to do with that that it's even going to come close to owing what, uh, paying back what you owe. What I love is the servant fell, falls on his knees. This is Jesus telling the story. The servant falls on his knees. He begs for forgiveness. Be patient with me, he begs, and I will pay everything back. But what's the servant's master do? He takes pity on him, and he cancels, not not just like, oh, okay, we'll put you on a payment plan. He cancels the debt, okay? It's forgiven. Now, some of y'all know a little bit maybe, like you've had this on a small scale, but I guarantee you, ain't none of us had $5 billion worth of debt canceled, right? We don't even have a comprehension to understand what that would be like, right? Yeah, and so we see that happen, and then we see the same servant that just had this debt canceled. What's he do? 
he goes and finds someone who owes him a little bit of money because we all owe somebody something, right? So he finds somebody that owes him, one, yeah, 100 denarii, which is $10,000. Listen, $10,000 isn't chump change either, yeah. right? And verse 28 says, he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Like, dude, this just happened to you. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But this guy refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And guess what? Somebody saw him. This is the same thing I tell my 16-year-old. Somebody will always know what you're doing. Somebody always knows. And I will find out. And you won't know who. Right? Somebody saw this fold out. Because guess what? People watch you. When you call yourself a Christian, people are automatically watching That's why we have to live our life like Christ called us to, not just our words, because our words don't mean anything. It's our life that people watch. So in verse 32, it says, the master called the servant back in. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. That's, that's, that's rough, guys. It's always funny to me that we love the scriptures where Jesus is like, oh, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. But there's not a whole lot of people who are like, yeah, Jesus also said, this is how my heavenly Father's going to treat you if each of you don't forgive your brother. It's, it's, it's not the easiest thing. But C.S. Lewis actually says it like this. He says, to be a Christian actually means to forgive the inexcusable. You know why? Because the inexcusable has been forgiven in you. And and so for us, we realize, and and I I think the third and the last, the final thing here where we struggle, I think, with forgiveness when it comes to our relationships is we have this thought and this mindset of, of we just can't do it. You ever had that happen to you? You ever had something happen to you and you're just like, I just can't. I'd love to. I just can't do it. I just don't know, like, literally, I just don't. I don't know how. And, and even today, you could be sitting in here and looking at us and saying, God, but you, you don't know my story. You don't know the pain and the, the hurt and the offense that happened to me. You don't know the betrayal that happened, how people that I love and I trusted, how they, they, they abused me and how they used me and how they just threw me out. And, and, and I can sit here and say, no, I, I, I might not know your story. And, and I fully recognize this notion of we, we don't think we can do it. We can't do it because the fact of the matter is, is, is we can't. This is our problem is so often we think that we can do it. On our own. On our own. That's the truth. But Philippians actually says this in verse 413. When I was growing up, this is called the ten-finger prayer. I don't know why we ever called it that. But it says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So guess what? You can't do it. But you know the incredible thing is, is God says you're not supposed to. That's my job. Leave it to me. And when you leave it to me, then guess what? I, I'm actually, w- when you turn it over, I'm going to give you the capacity to do things that you never, ever thought were humanly possible for you to do. 
So you can't do it, but he can. But God can. And he can turn around that traumatic whatever and use it for glory. You know, the you don't know my story. There's a part of my story that many of you don't know. I grew up in, in two, not just one, but two bad relationships with fathers. I had mental and physical abuse that not only on me, but on brothers, sisters, on, on, on mothers that I had to deal with as a child and as a teenager. And, and that stuff takes a toll and it can, it can mess with you mentally and it, can, it shaped me as a teenager into somebody that wasn't great. And I didn't forgive, and I, I held on for a really long time, and it took a really long time. But Philippians 4.13, and I learned that through God, I was able to forgive those people in my life to the point that if you had come up to me when I was 14, 15, and you were confrontational, when we first got married, I'd walk away. Because no one's going to raise their voice at me. No one's going to question me. No one's going to get mad at me because I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to handle. And I had this flight mentality because that's the only thing I knew as a survival mode. But my God, my God took that hurt, that pain, that anger that was in my heart, and he turned it into forgiveness. (laughs) And you know what? I've gone through freedom three times, and I still say I need to go through freedom again because there's still more sometimes that comes up, and I'm like, oh, but God, oh, but God. And God says, I got you if you give it up. And I had to go through a process of forgiveness. And listen, it's not easy. It didn't happen overnight. It was a years and years process. But here's the thing. If I had never forgiven those people that hurt me, I would not be able to stand up here and speak because the anxiety that came over me whenever someone put me in front of people was so tremendous that I couldn't do anything. But with God, I can do all things like that scripture says, all things. And you might say, okay, that's your story. How do we do it? How do we hit those steps? One, here's the thing, and this wasn't easy for me. Pray for them. Because here's the thing, as much as you need Jesus, they need Jesus. Because they can't get their life right without him, just like you couldn't get your life right. Don't pray that they be smited. Don't pray that they get covered in some awful disease. But pray that they find the love of Jesus in their life so that they can be in heaven and they can celebrate and be victorious just like you. Here's another hard one, but it's what we must do. We must bless them. In private, in public, you will never hear me talk badly about those people that hurt me. You will never get me in a corner and have me talk badly about them. Did they hurt me? Yes. But they need to have their own relationship with Jesus. And I pray that God blesses them every day and that they find those relationships. Because I want to see them in heaven because that's what God would want. And here's the other thing. We got to do good to them. Don't interfere. Don't treat them badly. Don't cause a distraction in their life. Listen, if they hurt you, it hurts. But you've got to do good. Romans 12, 19. I'll let you read that. Romans 12, 19. It says, don't take revenge, my friends. But leave room for God's wrath. 
For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? You feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. And if he's doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. I want to invite you, if you would, would you stand with me this morning? Some of you, you read that, uh, you read that passage there and you're like, but Pastor Curtis, it says to, to heap coals on their head. I like that. I like doing that to people. I don't like, I want to heap some coals on their head. It's the easy way. But here's what we might not, what you might not understand about what that's saying there. What it's really saying is in this time, in this culture, when this was written, everybody had a, a stove that they cooked with. The stove was what they used to heat their houses. It's what they used to cook with. And, and here's the thing. If your coals went out because you were out working or, you, you know, something happened and, and your coals went out, how, how many of you can imagine fire for them was life? How do you heat your house if you don't have any fire? How do you cook your food if you, if you don't have any fire? And so what this scripture is actually talking about, it, it, it's not saying when you, you heat coals on, on their head like that. It's not like, oh, oh here, I'm, I'm going to burn you. No, no, no. What it is, is, you would actually take coals from your stove and you would take some of them over to them and put it in their stove so that they could have life. It's, it's literally actually giving life from one family or one person to another. And so today, listen, we're going to get ready to receive communion. And uh, if by chance you did not receive elements when you came in, if you slip your hand up, we'll make sure we get you one. Has everybody got one? Okay, if you're online, I hope you can join us with this. I, we can't go through today, especially going through today receiving communion, without taking the opportunity here to invite you to search your heart. To search your heart and allow God to examine you. Because like we've shared this morning, guess what? If, if you are harboring some unforgiveness with people, you don't need to take communion yet. You thought, you thought you'd never hear a pastor say don't take communion. Don't Listen, don't take this if you can't allow yourself to to be brought upright and be able to stand before God because here's the deal is you can't have a great relationship with God if you have a really crappy relationship with others. They're tied together. Listen, it, it, I, I'm hoping and praying that God is able to speak through you today and I hope and I pray that maybe that there's a person or a situation in your life that maybe is stirred up a little bit to say, you know what, I, I'm, I thought I was over this. I'm, I'm not. I, I thought that this offense that I had with this person was, was done, but man, it, it is not. And God, I pray right now that I'm going to be able be able this week to lovingly speak to that person. Maybe some of you, you need to not go out to Pizza King after church, but maybe you need to go to somebody's house. Maybe you need to go to a house and say, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you might not have even known this, but I... I I held some bad feelings against you. I just want to say, I am sorry. I want to I ask for your forgiveness. Because guess what, church? When we actually start living that way, people are actually going to start knowing that you're my disciple because of the love that you have.
for one another. Heavenly Father, I want to ask right now that as we have this element that represents the wafer, Father God, that this, this wafer that, that represents your body, that before we receive this, Father God, that we can come before you in all humbleness, Father God, and Lord, just cry out and ask for your forgiveness, Father God. And ask, Lord God, if you would, would you forgive me? Listen, church, if you're going to do it, you've got to make it personal. Father God, forgive me for all the times when I've offended others. For all the times that I've carried offense that others never even meant. For all the things that I held on to, for all the baggage that I carry. Lord God, I turn it over to you. And listen, if you're here today, if you've never asked him into your heart, there's no better time than today because all that anxiety, that fear, the depression, all that, thi- all, all that that you've been carrying, you, he, he never designed you to carry that. He wants you to live free and unencumbered by the weight of the world. It says that he, he stands and he knocks, he waits patiently for you to come. If that's you today, just call out to him. Ask for forgiveness. And say, God, listen, I've tried to do this on my own, but I don't want to do it that way anymore. I want your forgiveness to come into my life so that I can start living like Jesus. Father, I thank you so very much, Lord God, for this wafer that represents your body. And I'm thankful, Father God, for the fact that it was broken for me. Lord God, today we just take the opportunity just to give you thanks and praise for it. In Jesus' name. we receive this juice, Father God, we recognize that this represents the blood of Christ. And Father God, we represent, we know that the blood of Christ is the single thing that allows us to be part of your family. Without that, Father God, we were far separated from you. There was no thing that we could do, there was no act that we could perform that was going to allow us to be good enough to enter into your presence, Father God. But it is through the blood of Jesus Christ that you say that you love us as a son and a daughter. And it is because of this, Father God, that we don't have to fear about what happens in in this life and the offenses that come and the worries that come, Father God, because you say, guess what? I have it all under control because you're part of my family. It's, It's my responsibility to carry that weight. And so, Father God, we thank you and we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Listen, this morning, uh, 